It's time for Cadillac On Call on News Radio 610 KONA. It's your chance to learn valuable health information right here in our community. Now, the host of Cadillac On Call, here's Jim Hall. Hello, friends, and welcome to Cadillac On Call, presented by the Cadillac Foundation. On today's program, COVID again takes center stage as our area is in the midst of another surge in cases and hospitalizations at a time when vaccinations continue to lag. The vast majority of new cases are among unvaccinated people. We will connect today with Dr. Amy Person, the public health officer of Benton and Franklin Counties. And in the second half of our program, the compelling story of a Tri-Cities family who was among those who were vaccine hesitant, but have since changed their view after they were infected with the COVID-19 virus. First up, we welcome to the program Dr. Amy Person, the health officer of Benton and Franklin Counties. And thanks for joining us tonight, Amy. Uh, First of all, just share with us the very latest on the COVID situation in our region. Thank you. Uh, And it's concerning. Uh, Our case rates have doubled since the end of June. And it's because of the the Delta variant. Uh, So it's very concerning to us. Delta variant is more easily passed between people, uh, and we're seeing more hospitalizations. But the the one good thing I will say is that even with the Delta variant, uh, COVID is really now becoming just a disease of the unvaccinated. So the, does this, you know, I know July 1st effectively was when our state, quote unquote, reopened. Is, does any of that have, these increasing numbers have anything to do with reopening, or is it just, as you say, mainly attributable to this Delta variant? I'm sure there are a number of factors, but um, to be honest, it, behaviors in the Tri-Cities uh, did not change that much between June 29th uh, and July 1st, uh, particularly for those that were taking more risks. Uh, so behaviors didn't change, uh, but what's happened is uh, people that are spending time with others, not distancing, not wearing masks, not vaccinated, uh, they may have gotten away with not getting uh, infected a few months ago, uh, but now because of the Delta variant, so many more of them are getting infected. What is it about the Delta variant that makes it so contagious and so dangerous? What we know about the Delta variant so far is that uh, the virus counts uh, inside people's respiratory tract is about a thousand times higher uh, than what we've seen uh, with the original COVID-19 virus. Uh, We also know uh, that people can pass it earlier uh, which means that there's more opportunities for it to spread. And so at this point, obviously, you say it's the most rapidly, but it's also the most contagious. And and given where we are with this open economy, it's and, 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 and we'll get to it in a bit on the vaccination rates in our region, so it's almost like a perfect storm of why we're seeing all of these numbers increase. Yes, Absolutely. Uh, but I will say the the one uh, good thing, our umbrella of protection that we didn't have when we saw the other surges uh, last winter or even last summer, 
um, is the hope with vaccination. And that's what's going to keep this from uh, becoming uh, as bad as we saw it in the Tri-Cities last year. We'd like to get more into vaccinations in a moment, but I want to touch on one question relative to vaccinations right now as it pertains to the Delta variant, which you expressed your concerns about. Is the evidence of people who are vaccinated that it works even against the Delta variant? What do we know about that? So far, the vaccine does appear to provide good protection against the Delta variant as it has against the other variants. Uh, We know that from research studies showing uh, that people who are fully vaccinated are producing the right kind of neutralizing antibodies uh, to fight the Delta variant. Um, We also know that just from our limited experience here so far. The cases that we are seeing, uh, the ones that are uh, sequenced as Delta variant, again, they are occurring in people who are not vaccinated. And do we have any idea of the new cases, Are of what percentage are the Delta variant versus what we have been dealing with throughout the pandemic? That's a little bit harder to predict since sequencing uh, data uh, tends to uh, lag behind. But in the most recent report that Department of Health uh, put out, uh, and our numbers match that um, Delta variant, is responsible for over 60% of the samples that are sequenced. Well, as you touched on, not only... I'm I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I also heard um, Director of the CDC um, announced that they estimate that in the United States, the Delta variant is responsible for over 80% of the cases. And you mentioned it was about 60% based on what you're understanding here, roughly? Yes. I was going to touch on not only are the COVID cases surging again, but so are hospitalizations, and they have more than doubled in the past three weeks. And I know at Cadillac, where I work, they have risen into the 30s of COVID-positive cases within the hospital, and many are of a younger population. And and I think you touched on it already, but I understand almost all of these cases are unvaccinated people. Yes, that's that's the concern, uh, particularly since we are seeing it in uh, younger people. Um, I think many people thought COVID-19 was a disease of the elderly, uh, so they didn't feel it was a risk for themselves or their families. Um, and we're seeing that that's not always the case. And is it as high as I think uh, statistically, I think I've read nationally, I think the stat was 99% even nationally, of COVID deaths are unvaccinated and 99% of all COVID cases are unvaccinated. So as you said, it's a this is a pandemic now of the unvaccinated? That's correct. Um, and so from, you know, as, as a public health person, that is very striking to me and that's the big challenge um, we have here in, in Benton and Franklin counties where our vaccine rates are lower. Uh, when we know that we have a way uh, to prevent illness, to prevent hospitalizations, to prevent death, uh, we just need to keep trying different ways um, to help people be comfortable with that decision. And we've touched on this weekly for the last 
18 months almost, and I know you and your team have been, it's been a seven-day-a-week job for most of you. As a public health officer, given where we are now and knowing where we are now with this vaccine there, what, what is your level of frustration with all of this? I, I like to look at it as, you know, how, what is my way uh, to overcome this, this challenge? Uh, COVID has just been scary and lots of unknowns for a lot of people. Uh, so making a choice for vaccination uh, has been hard as they try to navigate the the different studies navigate what they hear on the news, what they hear from their friends, what they hear on, on social media. Um, so I can really appreciate uh, that it's not an easy decision. Um, we're just trying to make sure we give people the tools that they need to make decisions that make sense. We are visiting with Dr. Amy Person, the public health officer for Benton and Franklin counties, who is with her team been working so diligently since, gosh, February of 2020, when this pandemic uh, did begin to surface in our community and across the country. We do want to spend a little more time. Thank, Dr. Amy is thankfully going to be with us for another segment. We'd like to get into a little more detail about vaccinations and trying to dispel any concerns that people who have yet to be vaccinated, uh, maybe we can turn them into that uh, degree to get vaccinated once and for all. We'll be back with more with Dr. Person right after this. You're listening to Cadillac On Call on 610 KONA. This program is not a substitute for direct consultation with your own health care provider. Always consult your health care provider for your specific condition, especially if you have or suspect you may have a medical problem. Now back to Cadillac On Call. Here again, Jim Hall. Welcome back to the program. We rejoin Dr. Amy Person with the Benton Franklin Health District. And Dr. Amy, let's shift a little more focus to the vaccine and most notably the lagging rates that we see in this part of the region. Through July 17th in Washington State as a whole, 61% of residents over the age of 12 are fully vaccinated. In Walla Walla County, where cases are also on the rise, the vaccine rate of that population, 12 and older, is 52%. In Benton County, it's 47%, and in Franklin County, it's 40%. Why the disparity? There are a number of reasons for that. Um, We actually uh, surveyed people that had not been vaccinated yet to try to get a better understanding of it. And what we found is about half of them are pretty dead set against getting vaccinated. Um, The others, though, I think there's possibility for change. Uh, Some of them, they just put it off. Um, Others of it, they they still have questions. Uh, And the biggest takeaway we had from the survey is that outside of their family members, it's really their regular doctors, their regular clinics. Um, That's who they trust for information about vaccination or that's who they um, trust to make the, help them make those decisions. Uh, so that's where we are focusing our efforts now. 
I know one of the the concerns that that I have read about among people who are hesitant to get vaccine is is just that the vaccines, while great, you know, that they were done and, and approved so quickly with this emergency use authorization, the fact that they were in the minds of these people done quickly was their level of concern. But it, it, how do you address that concern that, that, that this was rushed and that, that there's not been enough research? That's a great question. And, and the truth of it is that the process was not rushed, particularly not the safety data. These vaccines have gone through all of the same safety trials uh, that approved vaccines have gone through where they were uh, allowed to make that decision for emergency use authorization uh, was to say they did not need as many months of efficacy data because we were in the middle of a pandemic. um, If we could protect people even for a couple months and turn this pandemic around, that was going to be important. The great news is the longer the vaccines have been out, uh, the more effective we're finding that they are. The longer they've been out, the longer people are staying protected. Uh, So we now have those months of data to show that they are effective and that they are safe. And you talk about the word effective, and the numbers are, what, 95% or higher, depending upon all, I mean, all three of them are over 90%. And I I recall visiting with your colleague Heather Hill throughout the course of the pandemic that, like, a a successful or a good number of percentage effectiveness during a flu season is like 60% with a vaccine. So these are highly effective, right? Yes, absolutely. And and we continue um, to see that. Uh, even in our area, uh, cases, uh, 96 to 97% of the cases occur in people who are not vaccinated. Uh, so the effectiveness we're seeing in real life plays out exactly what we saw in those trials. And that's great news, um, considering that we are dealing with some new variants and still seeing that kind of effectiveness. And if you would, and you touched on it a little bit in our first segment relative to the variant, but I know this term that another one of these pandemic terms that we've become all too familiar with are breakthrough cases. Explain what a breakthrough case is and how common that might be with this vaccine. I understand it's very, very rare. That's absolutely correct. So uh, a breakthrough case is someone who's been uh, fully vaccinated, uh, meaning, you know, two weeks after their, their last dose, um, who does come down with COVID. Uh, again, we know these vaccines are not 100% effective. Uh, the data from the trials, we were hoping we would see this kind of 95% effectiveness, and we have seen that. Uh, the breakthrough cases we've seen uh, in Benton and Franklin counties, uh, over the last couple months, have been three to four percent. So again, very small numbers. Vaccines not a hundred percent, but it's going to give you great protection. Uh, and if you're worried about the variants, uh, get vaccinated. Um, 
That's all I can say. So even with, if you have been vaccinated and you're among that 3 to 4% as you address that do come down with COVID again, you're not going to get it as severely as you might have had you been unvaccinated? Yes, that is what we've seen as well. Uh, the breakthrough cases are milder, much less likely uh, also to end up in the hospital or to have any uh, more serious consequences. If you would address before we we let you go, um, we're at the end of July as we're on the air this evening and school will be starting roughly in about a month. And I know a large under 12 is not allowed to get a vaccine yet. Under 12 to 16, I think just the one is is available. And I know those vaccine rates are not are not strong. What's your level of concern as as uh, the, the clock keeps ticking toward the start of school and that we need to up these vaccine rates before that begins? We do need to get our our vaccine rates um, higher. Uh, What I will say about our experience with schools is that um, even when there were no vaccines for anyone, um, our schools were very good about implementing the necessary safety protocols to keep kids uh, in classrooms uh, and not getting infected with COVID-19. So we know that, that schools do a great job. They did a great job last year, and I'm sure they'll do um, a great job in this school year moving forward. Uh, the more older kids that we can get vaccinated, the more uh, parents and teachers and staff that we can get vaccinated uh, is going to help keep the kids protected and help keep the rest of the community protected as well. Do you think masks will be necessary? I know the there's been conflicting. I know it's probably a little early, but we have been reading stories about, I think the American Academy of Pediatrics is recommending masks in schools uh, where the CDC is not quite ready to go there. Do you know where the state of Washington is? Are they still in their planning and evaluative stages with that? Uh, they are evaluating it. They've been evaluating the national guidelines. Um, they've also been meeting with... Um, local health departments uh, to get um, our perspective. They've been meeting with uh, school organizations as well uh, so that they can take all of those perspectives into account. Uh, I am anticipating that we will uh, see guidance uh, coming from the Washington State Department of Health uh, within the next couple weeks. We have just about a, oh, 30, 40 seconds, if you would. I always like to offer you the opportunity to give a takeaway message. And the, the one the one message that I, I've heard already from you that I'd like to have you emphasize, and I hope you would, is, is the promise of where we are a year later uh, with these vaccines. And I know the, lagging, the rates are lagging in our area. And, and I would just offer you the final 30 seconds or so to, to offer your message to people who are still hesitant. Oh, thank you. Uh, again, the vaccines are, are safe and effective. Um, we've seen, even with new variants, new challenges, um, that they're keeping people protected. Uh, this is really an opportunity uh, for those who choose to get vaccinated um, to really take the power back from the virus. 
and to take it back permanently. Dr. Amy Person with the Benton Franklin Health District, thanks so much for your time and your leadership throughout this pandemic. We appreciate all that you've done and all your team. We'll be back with the second half of Cadillac on Call right after this. You're listening to Cadillac on Call on 610 KONA. This program provides general information only. Any comments or information presented are strictly for educational purposes. Cadillac and 610 KONA do not endorse any of the suggestions made by the presenter or callers. Now back to Cadillac on Call. Once again, Jim Hall. Welcome back to Catholic on Call, presented by the Catholic Foundation. In our community and across the country, health leaders have gone to great lengths to urge people who are eligible to get the COVID vaccine to do so. Famous athletes, celebrities, medical and public health experts, community leaders, clergy. I think the most impactful way to help convince people who are skeptical is to hear from folks who have actually contracted COVID, including those who were reluctant to get the vaccine. And I'd like to welcome to our program this evening, Nadine Johnson, who along with her husband, Pat, and two children are at home recovering from the COVID virus. And in fact, Pat is only home within the past week, I understand, after spending nearly a week at Catholic Regional Medical Center. Nadine, thanks so much for taking the time to be with us tonight. First of all, how are you all doing? Thank you. Um, Thanks for having me. So we are on day 18 of COVID and, um, you know, we're not 100%, but we're all definitely getting better. Thank you. If you would, please walk us through the days of uh, those prior to leading up to day one and uh, leading up to the diagnosis and ultimately Pat's stay in the hospital. Sure. You know, to summarize it, um, our symptoms started on the 4th of July and, um, you know, we, we really just chalked up our, um, it was really a lot of fatigue and feeling tired and we were having guests over. So we'd been working in the yard a lot and, um, our weather was over a hundred degrees. So we really thought that we had, um, heat exhaustion. Um, and then over the next couple, a few days, um, on came the debilitating body aches, nausea, headache, chills, cough, um, full-blown symptoms. I, out of the four of us, I lost my um, taste and smell um, probably on day six-ish, and that's when I knew that we had COVID. Um, We actually started to feel a little bit better, I would say, on day six, seven. Um, So, I was thinking, you know, yeah, we have COVID, but we're feeling better. So we, our plan was just to go ahead and continue just to recover um, and stay quarantined. Um, then on day seven or eight, things really took a uh, turn for the worst. Um, for me, um, and especially for my husband, uh, we both experienced shortness of breath and the, the cough that we had um, – was starting to get more severe. Um, I, I had an Apple Watch, actually, that I, I was taking our oxygen levels with, and one of, the, one of the days my husband's dropped to 87%, and so um, I knew then that we needed to go to the ER. So we got to the ER. They immediately did a rapid COVID test that came back positive, um, and since we were both sh- short of breath, they did x-rays. 
Um, mine came back and it, it was kind of like the picture looked like a foggy haze over my lungs. The doctor said that was pretty common. So I was sent home on, on some medications. My husband, however, uh, he, like I said, he was in worse shape. So he was diagnosed with COVID, um, double lung pneumonia. Also, um, on top of that, he had acute kidney injury and acute hypoxemic respiratory flavor, or not flavor, failure. Um, and, and you know, it was just very, it was devastating and really scary. So they immediately admitted him to the hospital um, and put him on oxygen um, on a lot of different medications. Um, but the scary part was getting his kidneys normal so that he could get the medication he needed. Um, and we were so lucky that that happened. Um, he stayed for six days at Cadillac and he got home and he's still on oxygen. And right now we're, we're doing a program called telemedicine. So I'll take his vitals twice a day, um, scheduled times, and, um, I'll send his vitals to the virtual nurse and, they typically respond and tell me um, next steps, but lucky for us, his vitals have been good. So our steps will just be continue to stay home and get rest. Oh my goodness. And so he luckily, I obviously very sick, but he did not need to go into the intensive care unit or be on a ventilator. No, um, thank goodness. You know, uh, Despite the, um, I think they call it ARDS, um, I could be wrong, but the acute uh, hypoxemic respiratory failure, um, the, the odds on getting a, a, on a ventilator when, when you have something like that are pretty high, but we were so fortunate that he just um, used oxygen. And then all during this time, okay, he was in there for six days, you were able to go home, and your kids had COVID. How are they doing? Yeah. So um, the kids, you know, my, my 10 year old, he got symptoms and um, you know, they weren't as severe as mine or my husband, but it was still scary um, because, you know, my thoughts were that kids that age didn't really experience severe symptoms, but he had a fever and he had chest pressure and he didn't feel good for three pretty three solid days. And then uh, my daughter, she's 15 and she was closer to a week, but she had, um, you know, the, the symptoms, the body aches and nausea and um, they're doing really good. You know, they were, they were scared to death that their dad was in the hospital and not knowing what was going to happen um, was really scary for them, of course, but they're doing re- really, really well now. I read some social media posts that you did, and it's 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 really powerful, I guess is the best word that I can describe it. I mean, just the, the mix of emotions that you and your family have gone through just since this all happened has to be just overwhelming in some respects. You know, definitely. It's very overwhelming. Um, we're probably not the same people that we were three or four weeks ago, um, you know, my, my son 
when I was leaving to take my husband and I to the ER, he was asking me, but mom, um, is dad going to die? And of course I want to say, no, he's going to be fine. But I honestly didn't know. Um, I, I remember when at the beginning of the pandemic, I would see these viral videos of people breathing rapidly. And I was thinking that, oh my gosh, they're just trying to scare us, you know? Um, but breathing rapidly, not being able to talk or a full sentence, that's real. And that's how my husband was breathing when I took him to the ER. And that was scary. Um, and my son was also questioning if both of us were to die, then, you know, who's going to take care of him? Is he going to foster care? And, you know, it's just devastating to hear um, your 10-year-old worry like that. I can't imagine. One of the other ways I know um, that you've changed a lot since all of this is, is your view on vaccination. And, and we want to address that. We have to take a commercial break. I'd like to get your perspectives on where you are on all of that and the experience in the hospital a little bit more as well. We'll do that with Nadine Johnson right after this. You're listening to Cadillac On Call on 610 KONA. This program is not a substitute for direct consultation with your own health care provider. Always consult your health care provider for your specific condition, especially if you have or suspect you may have a medical problem. Now back to Cadillac On Call. Here again, Jim Hall. Welcome back to Cadillac on Call. If you've missed any part of our program, Cadillac on Call is available on podcast. Just search Cadillac on Call wherever you listen to your favorite podcast programs. We continue our visit with Nadine Johnson, who is so graciously sharing her family's powerful COVID story and the most important message of urging, urging people to get the COVID vaccine. And Nadine, let's pick that up, that converse, part of the conversation relative to the vaccine. What, where was your hesitancy and where do, where do you stand now on it? Sure. Um, so for the entire pandemic, um, we are we have been dead set against the vaccine, um, and, and that's it. We, we're a hundred percent against it um, for our family because we are young and healthy. We have no underlying conditions. Um, we we. I guess our, from our perspective, um, the pandemic was kind of winding down, if you will. Um, we don't get the flu shot, and we figure we, we fight the flu just fine whenever we do get it. Um, and, you know, it, there was so many unknowns with how quickly the vaccine was implemented and distributed. And we just thought, you know, we're good. And um, when we're in that category of people that should get the vaccine, then we'll revisit it maybe when we're 65 or something, you know, and it, it's been out for a while. And then, um, and now, um, you know, we've completely changed our minds um, just based off of our experience, um, what we went through and um, the, the fear of we almost losing my husband and my children's dad, um, the unknowns while he was there and the regret. And, um, you know, it's just, it's really life changing. And I, it's sad to me that, um, you know, it, it could have been too late. 
Um, but what we were giving the opportunity and we were given another chance. And so um, we decided that, that we are going to get the vaccine as soon as the doctor okays us to do that. And when you were, or when your husband was in the hospital, and, and I know we have been talking to colleagues at Cadillac and even Dr. Person from the health district has mentioned that the vast 90, 99% or high or 95 to 100% or almost 100% of the, of the current cases and hospitalizations are unvaccinated people. Yeah, you know, and um, when my husband was in the hospital, um, I would get the daily update from the doctor, usually on the phone, but on the very last day, the doctor FaceTimed me. And, you know, I just think that at the beginning of the pandemic, you were hearing a lot of it's, it's the older community and the people with underlying conditions that should be worried. And, you know, we honestly just got kind of tired of hearing about it. And so we shut it out and we stopped watching the news and we didn't um, educate ourselves and we were just kind of closed minded, you know, and things are changing. Now we are learning with the different variants out there. And it seems like uh, to me that the the, the um, virus just isn't discriminating anymore. <laughs> It's anybody, you know, and so, um, you know, another thing is when the vaccine was getting rolled out, um, there was vaccine incentives and we were feeling pressure and like we we're being coerced into doing it. And to be honest, that kind of pushed um, us away from the vaccine. And, and now, you know, going through this, um, giving my the chance to actually get educated rather than pressure it has really really helped a lot and so um, just the, the reconsideration um, has been has been good for us I would ask a question if you would we don't have a ton of time but I want to I have two more questions I'd like to address to you and one of them is and we've addressed it on this program a lot is the staff within the hospital that has been taking care of not only COVID patients, but just anybody that comes into the hospital over the past 18 months, and they're tired. Did you, I'm guessing you saw that with the staff, and is that maybe another little added motivation for people to say, you know, do it not only for yourself and your family and your health, but for the other people who have been dealing with this for so long? Yes, absolutely. I um, can't say enough great things about the staff at Cadillac. Um, but they answered every single one of my calls and every single one of my questions, and you could hear that they were exhausted and tired. And I have a friend who is a Cadillac nurse, and I actually um, asked her, how do you guys find time to answer all the questions from the family members and take care of all your patients? And she's like, it's it's so hard, but, you know, we really just, we know how hard it is to, you know, not be there for your loved one and be able to be there for them. So we try our best, but um, they were, they were great, but I know that they're spread very thin too. Just one more question, if you would, and, and it's, and it's probably one that you've already addressed, but we have listeners, uh, and, and, and the vaccine rates in our area are not what they are around the rest of the state. And um, 
I guess from what you've been through and your experience and your position change relative to on vaccines, what is a message that you would have for somebody listening tonight that might be unvaccinated and still not ready to do so? Sure. You know, I would just say um, to reconsider and by reconsider, you know, I would ask you to just revisit that with your um, your doctor or your, your family doctor to see what's best for you. Um, because like I said, it it's not just older people or or um, people with underlying conditions now, you know, and um, I would just ask everybody, you know, I'm not not one to put pressure, but at least reconsider and revisit it and look at the new data and look at the new variants and go and ask your doctor um, what's best for you. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us. I offer my deep thanks to you for sharing your story and being so open about your experience. I, I would close with this while recognizing that people do have a right to decide whether or not to get vaccinated. Please seek the advice, as Nadine said, of someone you trust. The evidence is overwhelming that the vaccines are safe and they work and they protect you from the virus. Even in the low likelihood that you still get COVID after vaccination, your illness would be much less severe. Again, our thanks to Nadine and Best wishes to all of your family for a speedy recovery and a full recovery. And thank you all for joining us tonight. We'll talk again next week on Catholic on Call.